This is an Odyssey original. This is War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. President Biden goes from Brussels to Poland. He met the U.S. troops stationed only a few dozen miles from the Ukrainian border. President telling them the consequences of the war in Ukraine could extend around the world. It comes before meeting with Ukrainian refugees and delivering a major address. We will go to Poland. The war in Ukraine has forced families to make really tough decisions. Escaping the troops sometimes means having to leave people behind. We talked with one woman from Mariupol who escaped, hasn't been able to get a hold of her grandma, but we have an update on her. Russia's military might be throwing in the towel on its original war ambitions to take over all of Ukraine. Top Russian generals today insisted they never wanted to occupy big cities like Kiev. Instead, they are concentrating on holding territory in eastern Ukraine. So does this mean Russia is losing? We start with President Biden in Poland. That's where CBS News correspondent Stephen Portnoy is right now. Steve, give us a, an update on what the president has been up to in Poland. Well, the, the 14,000 troops that are in Eastern European countries on NATO's eastern flank are here to demonstrate to the world that the uh, alliance is strong and that the United States is committed to reassuring nervous allies within the NATO alliance that the United States has their backs. The president today went to an expo center in Sheshev, Poland, where troops from the 82nd Airborne have been stationed. And he said that, uh, well, he went to thank them. He shared a slice of pizza with them. And then in a set of remarks, he said that the Ukrainian people have demonstrated the incredible strength that they have. Uh, at one point, he even said, this is a quote, you're going to see women, young people standing in front of a damn tank saying, I'm not leaving, I'm holding my ground. The president also in Sheshev uh, traveled to, uh, held a briefing with people who were running the humanitarian relief efforts, the massive efforts to facilitate the safe passage of millions of people as they flee the Russian bombardments. The president of Poland, Andrzej Duda, said that more than two million people have escaped to Poland, this country. And the uh, Poles don't refer to them, he said, as refugees. He says they call them neighbors, guests, brothers, and friends. The trip, as we've talked about before, Steve, was to show unity, right, uh, between the U.S. And, and our NATO allies. But it also showed the cracks in that unity as well. I mean, Europe is still, and understandably, I suppose, uh, not going to go along with the sanctions uh, that would decrease their dependency, at least in the short term, on Russian energy supplies. Uh, how do how does President Biden? Uh, is there any indication that President Biden was able to get around that, or is it just that's the way it is, and and that's the way it will be? I think you know the president has tried to thread the needle. I think that you're right, Charles, and you saw it was so telling to me when at his news conference yesterday, the president said he called this meeting to try to essentially go directly to the allies and say, folks, we've got to stay united. I thought that was a very revealing moment because it indicated to me for the first time from the president himself that he too shares the concern that the allies might not stay united. He said that was the most important thing for him to come to Europe to do. Uh, this morning, the president was in Brussels, and before he left there, he stood with the head of the European Commission and talked about a new effort, a joint effort, a task force even, to uh, work for the next several years to wean Europe off of its dependence on Russian energy sources, particularly natural gas. 
And the agreement that it was reached between the U.S. and the EU is for the U.S. to essentially sell more liquefied natural gas, LNG, to Europe over the next eight years or so. The point is that uh, it's going to take time to do that. The president said it would be costly and not happen overnight. But uh, what you did have is, is, is a demonstration where the president of the United States is standing with the Western world to look east, stare Vladimir Putin down. Today, in remarks, he reiterated his view that Vladimir Putin has committed war crimes. And he stood alongside American troops who he's sent here to reassure the nervous allies. But uh, ultimately, you know, whether this trip is going to prove to be effective, we'll have to wait several weeks, maybe even months to see. Well, that's the thing. He's been reiterating that, that last word, months, right? That's for some people who think, oh, you know, maybe there's going to be a way out of it. No, this is going to last and very well could last months and months and months. Yesterday, the president put out a statement that referenced the fact that the, the, the next NATO summit, which is an annual event that happens in June in Brussels, between now and then, NATO will work to ramp up its force posture and, and, and troop presence uh, in the eastern flank countries between now and then. So that's, think of it, the next three months, there'll be time, the president says, for NATO countries to, to think about how many more troops they're going to be sending to the region. You know, I, I, I am curious, uh, Steve, yesterday at the news conference, the president seemed to get a little disturbed by uh, questions about whether or not sanctions were designed to to stop uh, Putin from going into Ukraine, and he kept insisting, no, 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 that's not the, yeah. uh, you know, the the reason for it. But yet, uh, and I just rewatched uh, the uh, the uh, uh, soundbite. Vice President uh, Kamala Harris only in February said that the purpose of the sanctions was was to stop Putin from invading Ukraine. Have they been able, the White House, to reconcile the? The differences between Mr. Biden and his own vice president? Uh, not to the satisfaction of reporters, Charles. And, and you know, uh, look, you, you could point to quotes not just from the vice president, but also from the president's national security advisor, the president's press secretary, all of whom said that the point of the sanctions was to deter Vladimir Putin from taking the step. Um, the president, however, says, no, 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 sanctions don't deter. It's the maintenance of sanctions and the ramping up of the pressure and the increase of the pain, as he put it yesterday, that will get Vladimir Putin to change course. That exchange yesterday happened between the president and my colleague, Christina Ruffini, a brilliant reporter for CBS who covers international affairs for us. And she asked a very simple question. You know, you know do you feel what you've done here today in Brussels is going to get Vladimir Putin to back down? The president said the answer is no. But the president is hoping, it seems, that by holding the line, holding the alliance together and incrementally ramping sanctions up, that over time, Vladimir Putin will realize what he's done to himself and his country. CBS News correspondent Stephen Portnoy. If you remember early last week, we talked to a woman named Mila, who's from the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol, hard hit by the Russians. She and her family left, went to Spain. The grandmother uh, stayed behind. In the days since, Mariupol has been devastated by near-constant Russian bombing and shelling, with many parts of the city reduced to rubble. Mila and her family were not able to contact Grandma for days and days, leading them to worry. But now, Mila is back with us for an update on her grandma. Mila, thanks for coming back to talk with us. So, what is the latest on your grandmother? Hello. Thank you for having me again. Uh, yes, uh, this... Uh, uh, three weeks before we, uh, almost three weeks before we managed to contact our grandma were one of the longest weeks in my life and also one of the quickest because the time uh, uh, runs so fast I uh, <laughs> cannot feel it at all. Uh, 
And yes, uh, by great luck and fortune, uh, uh, our friend, uh, uh, the friend of our family managed to get, uh, to help our grandma get out from besieged Mariupol to the village nearby where she is safe. And uh, now she is uh, in, uh, uh, everybody is taking care of her. And uh, yes, thanks God, we are able uh, to talk to her every day right now. And it's uh, a great, great release and pleasure to hear her voice, you know. When you got the news that, that your friend had found her and they were getting her out, I mean, what what was that like for you after after all that time? Oh, you know, uh, it was uh, through a phone call. And when we heard the grandma's voice, uh, like we started to cry literally because uh, because of joy. Yes, because of all uh, nervous, uh, nervous situation. And uh, yes, I felt a great release because, uh, uh, you know, I've had all these uh, uh, fears that uh, all this time she maybe she has run out of water or there was not enough food of her uh, of course uh, what she told us she went through literal hell but since god she she had uh, enough water and uh, um, she managed to eat something but uh, of course i hope uh, this whole situation will not uh, ruin her health uh, and uh, we will be able to uh, have our healthy healthy grandma and yes i'm so grateful that uh, she's uh, safe and sound right now and milan remind us how old is your grandmother yes she's uh, 80 years old 80 years old now uh, i started by saying that we presume you're still in spain is that true are you in spain now Yes, yes, we are still in Spain. And also another great news that uh, my elder sister, she managed to escape Donetsk with her husband and children. And now they're going to us by car through whole Europe. It's, they have three little kids and uh, it's a little bit uh, uh, also hard for them, but uh, they are out of Ukraine currently and uh, um, now, like, we are all very pleased and grateful to universe and God. So, Mila, that leads to the question, of course, about your grandmother. Is she planning to meet all of you in Spain or is she staying in Ukraine? And if so, why? Um, yes. So um, what's the plan? I'm waiting for fire to cease a little bit at least uh, in that part of Ukraine. So I will be able to go um, because also hopefully my grandfather, uh, my father has a car there and I hope uh, this car still exists. So I will just grab my father's car, my uh, parents' medical documents and diplomas, uh, old photos of our ancestors and my grandma and uh, I will bring her here. <laughs> What else did she tell you about what it was like for her in the city while all this was going on? And again, you were not able to contact her. She was not able to get a phone line out. And we know we've seen the pictures. The place is besieged. Um, you said she managed to get some food, but, you know, water got touch and go sometimes. Uh, yeah, see, uh, the whole Mariupol is uh, something like a uh, counter-strike or fallout scene. I... Uh, 
I cannot even, I, I don't believe it until I see it with my own eyes, you know. Um, my grandma said that uh, it was all very scary and uh, uh, she, even she uh, was too afraid to leave her house. So she stayed all this time uh, inside. And uh, luckily she uh, had uh, some porridge here, but she uh, couldn't cook it. So she just uh, um, used it with water like for a night. So after a night, uh, you can eat, for example, buckwheat with water. So it's uh, really, uh, how to say, uh, not a pleasant experience. And she said that uh, she was praying all day. And also she said that uh, uh, for her, it was a great release that we were out of Mariupol and she knew that uh, we were safe. This, Mila, may be uh, an impossible question for you to answer now, but uh, I'm wondering if if you have some thinking on whether you and your family, since more of them uh, are, as you mentioned, joining you now in Spain, having left Ukraine, do you think that you are all kind of on a a new journey into a new life outside of Ukraine, or do you think you are all someday going to return there? Um, you know, it. I've never felt uh, more proud to be Ukrainian than now. And uh, um, yes, uh, because uh, uh, I consider myself lucky in that situation, or I feel it like it's a part of uh, my life journey and uh, um, you know, uh, of course, war is the worst thing that could have ever happened. But at the same time, I can feel the support of people around me. I can feel how the whole world uh, is uniting uh, and uh, helping Ukraine. And uh, uh, I feel that kindness from people. So um, for myself, I see it, uh, yes, it's a sad uh, but still, it's a part of my life. It's a part of my journey. And uh, yes, uh, I would love to return to Ukraine. I don't know when it will happen. Uh, I hope it will happen very soon. And especially my parents, they also want to return to Ukraine. And um, yes, maybe uh, uh, yes, yeah, someday for sure. And uh, because we love our country and uh, uh, we are... We want to have it as as it is, you know. Mila, thank you so much for for talking to us again. We're, we're so happy that that you were able yeah. to get in touch with your grandma and that she's okay. And uh, and the we, best of luck. We to wish all you of all you. the best. Yeah. yeah. She said such a, a grandma thing earlier because she was saying how she was too afraid to leave the house and she was you know getting by on porridge, but. Grandma said she was happy that they were all yes. out of the country that and okay. That is a grandma so, thing. Yeah. I know. She's <laughs> I know. Worried. I'm, not worried. I'm still worried about the kids, yeah. you know, yeah, through no. all of that. Well, it's good. It's, it's, it's good news. Not a lot of it coming out of Ukraine, but good Glad news. we found some. For the first time in a month, Russia's military leadership has indicated perhaps things have not gone according to plan, all while insisting they never intended to take over all of Ukraine or get the major cities occupied like Kyiv. One general says Russia would now focus more on the Donbass region in the east, where the Russian-backed separatists have been fighting since 2014. This change in strategy and tactics comes as Ukraine's army is actually going on the offensive in some parts of the country, with tangible results in pushing back Russian troops. 
Does this show Ukrainians are winning right now? Journalist Phil Littner is with us again. He is in Lviv. That's in western Ukraine. So, uh, Phil, I guess that's the question. Does it appear that the Ukrainians are actually starting to, to win this thing? Well, you know, the, the fortunes of war can turn on a dime, but certainly it does look like there has been a counteroffensive by the Ukrainians that has been quite successful, actually, in um, repelling and taking back some ground northwest of the capital. Um, we are also hearing of a number of areas that might now, that have been in Russian hands, being perhaps contested, including the city of Kherson. Uh, but the fighting remains intense out in the far eastern areas, uh, the, the breakaway republics of Donbass and Luhansk. Now, it might be a face-saving measure by the Russians to say that they are going to change their focus away from the capital simply because there is such fierce resistance and those counteroffensives. But ultimately, the objective from the very beginning, those of us who have been watching uh, Ukraine and Russia uh, for many years know that uh, – the resolution of a way to sustain the uh, Black Sea port at Sevastopol and one of Russia's primary naval fleets there, that is based there is a strategic necessity for Russia. And so whatever comes out of this conflict, uh, the Russians are going to very much try and control the strip of land that connects uh, Russia, uh, Russia's mainland to that Crimean peninsula and while they may have hoped to capture Kiev, uh, they, they will try and turn creating a land bridge from Russia to Crimea uh, as their primary objective and try and eke out some way of, of claiming success and victory uh, by gaining that land bridge. So then we look ahead to the next steps and we see it on you know, the cable channels. Everybody has their maps out and they say Russia is going to start maybe trying to bring in some more reinforcements to do what you're talking about. And then the importance of the moment for the Ukrainians is, is get as much in terms of munitions into the country to help them out so they can keep doing this push. Because even they, as inspired as they are, you know, no side of this can sustain forever. No, absolutely not. I mean, there there is... Uh, talk here in western Ukraine where there is a semblance of it's very odd being here guys it's it's a bubble uh, where uh, the, the, we see the refugees we do get uh, air raid sirens on a consistent basis but we're stable still able to kind of have a, a spring uh, that's that's sprung here the, the ice is melting uh, and people are kind of out on the streets trying to have a normal life. There's a cafe culture here. It's a very odd feeling, but um, they they are saying here. Uh, many uh, military experts have kind of drawn back here to the safety of Lviv, and that allows us to get access to them. And we are getting commentary of them saying, you know, we're going through so much munitions that it might get to the point where we're going to start to run out. And they are asking for more support in terms of giving them the weapons that they need. And I mentioned the thought just quickly in addition to that, because there's been a lot of talk in recent days of a potential fourth front opening up out of Belarus. Well, the, the snow and the ice melting means that a lot of that area is going to turn into mud, and there's a marshland area that could have perhaps been used while it was still frozen to launch a, a front uh, against the western Ukraine and try and block any kind of supply chain going to the capital. But because of that mud, they are now limited to a, a wedge area between the marshlands and a river basin 
that still gives them access to maneuver towards the capital, but it won't let them stop the supply chain. So if the Ukrainians and the international community can come to an agreement on reinforcing and resupplying, that can still happen now that we are moving into spring. Journalist Phil Itner with us again. Phil, thank you as always. He's in Lviv there in western Ukraine. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.